welcome to the SPS Digital Learning Hour. Brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Mike Thomas. And I'm Suzanne Zargis. We're coming to you from a conference room in Central Office, bringing you the latest news in the Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom. We'll also inform you of the latest updates, practices, and news as it pertains to our district. Whether you are new to using technology in the classroom or are a seasoned vet, we are here to help. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Mike Thomas. In case you missed it, the latest blog post is out and it's all about how to use tech tools in the classroom. 10 quick tips on how to quickly integrate technology into any classroom. You should go ahead and take a look at it. The blog is posted on the WeLearn blog site and also on Brightspace under my name, Michael Thomas. In case you missed it, we're continually putting out new training videos on Microsoft Stream. On Stream, there's also some inspirational videos and videos on how to use not just Brightspace, but other tools. Coming up soon will be a tool on how to enroll students into your class notebook without using Microsoft Teams. And finally, in case you missed it, we have a new symposium coming to you. Now, it's just not a one-day Saturday deal. It is Wednesdays in March. We are calling it We Learn Wednesdays. So it'll happen three out of the four Wednesdays in March. We'll meet over at the new PD Center, the Melanie Kesprison PD Center. I know I just totally butchered that name. I will continue to work on how to pronounce it correctly. But she was a huge proponent of getting teachers the PD that they need, and we are excited to be able to use the center to bring you more in technology. So keep a lookout for the flyers. More information is to come as presenters are are lining up as we speak. That's it for In Case You Missed It. Coming up next, Hot Take. So for this week's Hot Take, I wanted to bring you an article that I read recently. It was posted January 3rd, so a few days after the new year, which really caught my eye, not because of the content and not because it was all technology-based just in the way that it kind of reaches to like my soul and who I am and what I desire to be and do, but I think also our students. This article was from MindShift. If you are not familiar with MindShift, they are a great website where they have lots of ideas. This one is from their big ideas section. They also talk about the growth mindset, teaching strategies, and they also have games and learning. And they also have their own podcast, but if you want to listen to them after us, by all means, go for it. So this article was all about, is entitled, The Benefits of Helping Teens Identify Their Purpose in Life. Now, I like to kind of think big ideas and futures of schools, but this is something that I didn't even think think of. And I wish I had because it's a great idea. So just picture this. It's about a little after lunchtime on a Tuesday in December. 30 students are gathered in a class at the Bronx Center for Science and Mathematics. So this school, just so you know, is in one of the poorest congressional districts. It's in the Bronx in New York City. What's really great about it is that in this particular day that was being observed, there was two seniors, seniors, high school students leading this, leading the class. They were focused on a theme of interpersonal connection, which of course makes you 
think social media and quite frankly what teenager doesn't love social media or at least use social media so they talked about how connected are we and then the presenters present three quotes for the students to contemplate these quotes by the way were amazing i don't know where they got them or if they created them themselves but they were very insightful they were we live in a society where looking cool in pictures has become more important than being a genuine person We are all connected by the internet like neurons in a giant brain. And then the third quote was social media and technology are not agents of change. They are just tools. We are... We, the connected people, are the agents of change. So, of course, this led to a huge discussion amongst the 30 students in this class. They touched on all sorts of things like cyberbullying, false and true identities, qualities of friendships, privacy, you know, all the things that you want in a relationship with people. But, of course, you do it over a computer like like Instagram and Snapchat. Then they came back to this idea of having like a circle of trust and being afraid of being shamed for secrets that they shared. But what's really cool is this class is not just seniors, but it encompasses the entire school. So there's freshmen in this class that are active participants. Doesn't matter who they are. They are a part of this class and their voice can be heard. And I think this is part of what they call Question Project. It's a semester-long elective designed to give adolescents a space to which wrestle with big ideas about who they are, where they're heading, and what matters most in their journey through life. Now, as teachers, that's something that we hope that the students get to at some point, is being able to answer those questions, who they are, where they're going, and what matters most in their journey through life. Um, So there's a few different schools of programs that are out there. There's a Question Project. There's the Future project and project wayfair they all are very similar in this idea but what's great is it kind of takes this adoption of two of my favorite things right now which is the growth mindset which again was defined by carol dweck of stanford and this idea of grit which was explored by angela duckworth from the university of pennsylvania both their talks that they've been given, that they have given, sorry, not that they've given, that they have given, are both on our Microsoft stream in our inspiration section, where we have different ideas of inspiration for teachers like yourselves. What they did is they kind of took those two things to create a social and emotional learning type curricula where it's focused on the students and focused on finding something that's harder to pinpoint, which is a sense of purpose. This idea of a sense of purpose is hugely important. I know for me, when I like took time and thought about why I do the things I do and what matters most to me, a lot of what I came out of came from a Sir Ken Robinson book, if you've never heard of him. He's also a very famous TED talker, and he is also an education philosophizer. There's no one here to correct me, so I'm just going to go with that. And so in his book called The Element, they talk about like finding what you're passionate about and then working with that to bring about purpose. And so he's got a couple of books on the topic, but I know for me, like I was saying a few years ago, when I really started to like be introspective and figure out like, Why do I do the things I do? Why? What accomplishments will they have? And how can I use the tools that I've been given? Now, those questions were never posed to me when I was in school. It was all about, this is how the world works. Find your place in it. Find your place in the world. I even had a counselor tell me one time, once you find your place in the world, you will be content. I wish it were that easy. I wish being able to find that place in the world was that simple. And I can't imagine now, with all of the development of technology that we have across this world, Finding your place is even more difficult. Finding your purpose is even more difficult. 
And so they actually talk about this idea of a definition for purpose that came out in 2003 for some, from some Stanford psychologists who worked together. They came up with this definition, a stable and generalized intention to accomplish something that is once meaning, that is at once meaningful to the self and of consequence to the world beyond the self. So this idea that not only are you a part of this world, but you serve a greater purpose in this world. Now, 2003, I was already done high school, and so I didn't get the benefit of like that and where this stuff has gone from since then. But what is exciting, though, is that there's programs out there like Project Question, like they're trying to help students learn who they are and find their sense of place and purpose in this world. Um, some of the research that's been done around this has shown that when students have a sense of purpose, there's lower levels of depression, less binging on unhealthy habits, and developing better habits such as exercising, and probably what's most important to all of us is a greater commitment to schoolwork. When they see what they want to do and what they want to be, we ask kids this all the time. What do you want to be when you grow up? We're essentially saying, what's your purpose? And with that, we're hoping that when they have that purpose and they've been shown the path to get to their purpose, that they'll take a greater commitment to the schoolwork that they do. With taking on that sense of purpose, we want to see a greater commitment to schoolwork because we know it's important. That's why we're teachers. We want to help the next generation. The generation coming up, when they have their purpose, they're going to do great and amazing things. We have students that we see every day that have potential to change this world. In fact, if you're a teacher and you should see those students every day and try to help them, which I imagine that you're doing, with trying to show them how their work is connected to what they want to do when they're older. Another side note on this research that's been done is that adults with a sense of purpose report greater satisfaction with their lives. When we have purpose and we know what we're doing, we are more satisfied. We have the ability to take in everything around us, the good, the bad, the ugly, the negative, the positive, and make that work so that we are still satisfied with our lives. As I think about and have in, like thought about this article for a few weeks now, because I read this back at the beginning of the month, when I was personally really struggling, thinking through these questions, a lot of times um, I would find myself questioning, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? This is like me banging my head against the wall. And I guarantee that there's days that you've probably felt that same way too. But our purpose in working with students is to help prepare them for the world. When I was going through college, my goal was to change the world, change the world. I'm going to do what I can to change the world. I'm going to make my mark on this world. Students feel that same thing, even now in high school, where they want to make a difference. How many articles have you read about students who have started nonprofits? Students, not adults, students who have done things that as adults we're so excited to see, but we don't do it ourselves. And so I had been living for a while without purpose, just kind of going through the motions. And on some days, things were great. Other days, when I was really questioning, it was like, why am I doing this? For me, my purpose came when I discovered the things that I love, and I could work towards those things and make choices that reflected those things. Students make choices about their learning every day. It's our job to help guide them to make a good choice, which will help further them to get them to where they want to be. And so this article was really, really interesting to me as I was reading on and through about these students want to make their mark in this world. They want, we don't give them enough credit sometimes that 
um, things that they can do. Most uh, One of the quotes in this article which really stood out to me was, most young people and even most adults don't have a purpose in their lives. And this was from Kendall Cotton Bronk, one of the professors at Claremont Graduate University, a uh, professor of psychology. And so to me, as I'm reading this, I'm like, yes, yes, we need to have purpose. We need to prepare our students to we should be, have the ability to help students persevere. We should give them that not yet mindset so that they can persevere. The moment they think they've got it figured out, that's when they start to doubt themselves. That's when their purpose starts to dissipate, when they forget why they're doing what they're doing. Some of the studies that they talk about in here found that as students were given the opportunity to talk about bigger issues in life, um, that they had a greater sense of purpose. And students in a control group where they weren't talking about those things, they found that they didn't. And that's kind of depressing if you think about it. Wow. That's living without a purpose. Why are we here? You are in your classroom because you went through school and you decided at some point that you wanted to change the world. Your purpose has been given to you. You have realized it. It might not be working out for you today. It might not have worked out last year, but you're still sticking through because you have grit and you have a growth mindset where you're not giving up. We need to be teaching those things to our students. And so like with this course that has been created and these other ones like Question Project, um, Wayfair Project, they allow students to have the opportunity to explore their morals, explore their thoughts, and be able to come up with answers on their own. It gives them time to reflect on what they value, what they want for their future direction in life, gives them the ability to think about purpose and have opportunities to act on it. There's one teacher that you'll hear an interview from later on, uh, later on in February, where one of her projects with the students, they're just amazing projects, this middle school teacher. And some of them take those projects and act on them, which is even better. This is after reading about the Holocaust and doing work that's based upon that. When you hear the interview, you're going to be like, oh, I need to talk with that teacher right now. I got to figure out how she's doing it. It's amazing when students have a purpose because they will work harder than they've ever worked in their lives because they will be focused on an end goal, on getting to a place. There's enough things going on in this world where students can see what's happening, but they also have the ability to change it. One of the nice things with this article is they talk, uh, one of the um, professors that they talked to was that for the schools that have stepped up and started taking these steps, one of the things that they've seen is that some of the schools have said enough is enough. We need to prioritize our students knowing what their value is in the world. I've been hearing the word humanity over and over again. It's one of those things where you can't teach it. Like They have to explore and grow on their own. They need to know that they have value in this world, that your students have value in this world, that you have value in this world. Once those things have happened, you will see a transformation in your classroom. I promise you that. Students need the outlet to talk about all these issues. Not only what is happening to them, but on a grander scale, in a more constructive way. It's easy to read online and listen to trolls. For those that don't know, trolls are the people who just go around posting negative comments on any social media platform they feel is appropriate to demean or put somebody down. And so if students don't have the opportunity to really grab hold and discuss and think and create the morals that they have and the values that they have and how they are valued, classes like that, like that we've been talking about here, those students feel valued because their opinion is heard 
hard because there are no wrong answers. It's a place where you can have a debate. How debate should be, not the debate that we're seeing today outside of education in this world. One of the authors in the article today, he has this quote, and I'm just going to leave you with this because it is a great thing to think about. In the past, we have had more of a script for who to be and how to be. The lack of script is a very good thing, but it also makes it very hard if students don't have support. This is part of the depression problem among teens. If you don't have a script or you don't have a place to define yourself, you are like a ship without an anchor. All the resources from this article will be posted in the show notes if you are interested to read more or learn more about Project Question or the schools that we were talking about. Coming up next is our interview with Caitlin Wells. begin the interview today, I just want to point out that if you did not see this in your email, there was a teacher spotlight that recently went out and it was actually on Caitlin Wells. So if you wanted to hear more or learn more about what she is doing in the classroom, then this is the podcast episode for you. So take a listen. I had a lot of fun talking with her. Katie Wells. I'm at Central High School. I teach U.S. history and ancient history, and every other year I teach AP Comparative Government and Politics. This is my 12th year teaching, and I've been at Central for my whole career. So with 12 years of teaching, you've seen a lot of technology come and go. Oh, so yes. what what are some of those early things that you got to use, experience, see? Well, I remember at Central when the big thing was that we had five desktop computers in each classroom, and that was interesting. What can you do with five desktop computers in a class of 25 kids? Over the last few years, we've got used our magnet grant to acquire projectors and document cameras, and um, you know, with every teacher having access to a laptop now, uh, it's a lot easier to integrate technology tools in class and not just as I'm developing the class. So with those five laptops, because <laughs> it's interesting because oh, I'm going to guess a lot of your class sizes were not five students. Yes, most not. So what Never. were some of the, did you even use them or were there some activities that you uh, could do or was it basically just a word processor? It was really just a word processor. So if a student needed to type, by the time I got here also, uh, most of the desktops were outdated. They came in in 2001 and that was the year that I graduated. I came back after college and they were already kind of a mess. So we would use them for typing or maybe to look something up 
on the internet, but mostly we were analog. In the last few years, um, Springfield adopted Brightspace. Before that, teachers were allowed to use whatever learning management system they wanted. So did you use any learning management system before Brightspace? Yes, I used, um, well, kind of. I used Edmodo, which was, uh, which is, for anybody that doesn't know, a uh, it's like a cross between a learning management system and a social network. And so it's it's modeled to look very much like Facebook. They um, The students sign up and they have an account. Um, I create a class and then all the students join the class. I'm able to post assignments or messages or uh, any information that I want, quizzes, polls, and other stuff I don't remember um, onto the onto what becomes their wall essentially so it's not as organized as Brightspace but it was really good as far as getting the information to them and giving them access to it with Edmodo and that early adoption of using a learning management system how did the students react to it uh, initially they were hesitant and some of them complained all the time but some of them really got some of them really got into it and they really liked being able to access stuff um, you know from outside class and they could uh, if they lost a paper they could go on to Edmodo and find a copy of the paper so they didn't have to worry about you know uh, waiting until they could get back into class and and uh, getting another copy of it. They could just do it there. Also, a lot of kids would use it for homework. And so they would do their homework on um, on Edmodo. They would do it either right in Edmodo or they would do it in Word and then submit it in an assignment on Edmodo. And so they didn't have to worry about remembering to bring it to school or remembering to put it in their backpack. <laughs> they could just turn it in as soon as they were done with it, which was pretty great for some kids. Yeah, I can imagine, especially with high schoolers who are have a million other things going on, yeah. especially <laughs> if they're into athletics or with a class like yours where it was primarily English, social studies, a lot of typing, a lot mm -hmm. of research work, something like that could be really beneficial. Oh, yeah. If we were working on a project or something, I could post links. Um, sometimes I would post like just a folder of resources that they might want to use. And so even though it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to assign to them, I could give it to them as something optional. I just kind of gave them a little more guidance and it gave kids that were very interested an opportunity to go a little bit deeper than we might be going in class. That's from the student perspective. Mm -hmm. As a teacher, how did using the um, Edmodo help you? I liked using Edmodo because it helped me stay organized. Um, I, when I was a floater and I didn't have my own classroom, I did a really good job of not having too much stuff and not having more than I could manage. But now that I have a classroom, I collect things, I print things, I copy things, I lose things, uh, stuff gets disorganized. I'm on the computer, I'm really organized. But if you ever walk into my classroom, it's kind of a mess. <laughs> I think that's true for most of us. Um, so that was Edmodo about four years ago or so now. we were There were early adopters. Were you an early adopter for Brightspace? Um, kind of. I was... I had an account before everybody else did, but I didn't use it right away. Um, the first year that we had it, it was um, it was kind of present after it was adopted uh, by the district. Um, after the whole, uh, you know, trying out different learning management systems, after the district decided on Brightspace, it was kind of presented to the teachers as something that we were going to have to use for testing. And um, I didn't really know how to use it yet, so I tried to figure some stuff out, and it there were things that. I didn't find very user-friendly, and so I didn't use it right away. But when I 
uh, at the beginning of last year, I started using it um, regularly and I built my whole class. I have my class organized into unit modules. I have all of my resources already uploaded. I have all my assignments already created. And now I can move my, um, I can move my course content over from year to year and only tweak it when I want to. So, um, it's really, it's really cool. It helps me stay very organized. Um, so you mentioned early on that the first thing that was sold with Brightspace was <laughs> testing. I remember those days uh, being fifth grade and you had the same thing. Yes. What was the overall reaction to that? Oh, not good. Not good at all. Uh, people complained. Honestly, I complained. <laughs> um, I, I ran my mouth a good amount about that. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's when it's a top-down thing. It's, it's hard to adopt something because you're being told you have to adopt it. But when you see the benefits of how it can help you how it can help you do better things and how it can help you stay more organized or help your students more. Then it's, it's a lot easier to then say, okay, I'm going to learn how to use this. I'm going to put the time in because I know that this is something that's going to be helpful. It's not just something that's being given to me for this year and it's going to go away next year and it's mm-hmm. going to learn it for no good reason. <laughs> Someone from the district was listening right now. What would your advice have, have been now in hindsight of seeing the start being like, ah, tests, no. And then yeah. <laughs> as you learn more, you're like, oh, wow, there's actually a lot of great benefits. What would you have suggested to start? Honestly, I probably would have, um, I probably would have tried to assess what the teachers might want to use it for, whether that be through a survey or, um, you know, focus group or an interview or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, just see what the teachers are looking for and then, say, okay, this is, this is this great new tool we have and we can use it for this and just show some of the awesome features that it has. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once we know what it, uh, once we know what it has, then we can, um, then we can kind of say, oh, I can see all the different ways that I can use that. I know when I interviewed for my, the job that I have now, which allows me to do this, that was one of the things that was asked. And I'm like, I would not have started with assessments. I actually, everything I know now about Brightspace, I would have started with Dropbox yes. and assignments because to me, like that, realizing that I didn't have to keep papers anymore, that everything could be kept <laughs> yeah. there and that you could set it up to like students could hand in paper after paper after paper. Yeah. And then you could grade it and you could put a rubric to it. I'm like, yes. to me, that if we had to pick an entry point, mm-hmm. that would have been the entry point I would have gone with. I totally agree. I, you know, I think it's helpful for teachers in not having to carry things and keep things organized. And um, even even just taking stuff home and grading on paper. Like, I don't want to bring a pile of papers home. Now I bring my laptop home, I log in, and I can grade everything right on my laptop. It's awesome. Um, I can attach rubrics. I can send messages to students. Um if I want them to make changes, they don't have to completely rewrite something. They mm-hmm. can just, they can just tweak it and re-upload it. It's awesome. Yeah. Better than when we were in school. Yeah, for sure. Because I remember those days, the <laughs> seventh draft. grade, second draft, social draft. studies, <laughs> writing my history papers and, oh, there's like four mistakes you need to go fix. Yeah. Oh, there's two mistakes now. You need to rewrite but the whole thing. But you can't thing. have any you know, cross marks. No erase marks, no cross outs. I remember using a lot of void out. So I don't even keep whiteout anymore. It's awesome. <laughs> so Brightspace seems to really have 
advanced a lot of the things that you're able to do mm-hmm. in the classroom now. Yeah, absolutely. So other than the kind of things that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. are there other aspects of it that you're like, this was, this is awesome. And I should, I should highlight this because this is something I'm using as well. All right. Let's see. Um, I use the announcements tool. I love the announcements tool because I can, you know, we, yeah, I don't know if this is the same at all the schools, but we often have students that are frequently absent. And so when I have students that show that they're kind of chronic absentees, I can encourage them to just log in outside of school. You know, if you're not coming to school for whatever reason, at least log in and do the work. Because if you can access the content, that's what I care about. I want these kids to learn. And if they can, if they're able to learn it without my direct presence, that's okay with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's a really good resource for, for any kid that's, that's not able to come to school every day. Um, and the announcements tool is cool for that because I put, I just put directions, um, for whatever we do in class each day up in the announcements. And then, you know, I might put link, a link to an assignment or a link to a resource. Um, and then, uh, I can also put links into the tools that I'm using outside of Brightspace and it makes it easier uh, to kind of facilitate getting kids into whatever activity we're doing for the day rather than having to explain a million times or have them type out a really long uh, URL. They can just, they can just click the link and go right to it. It's great. Yeah. The long URL. I, <laughs> that was the bane of my existence my third year of teaching because <laughs> students would always make a mistake in typing that up written on the board. And so then I, that's when I learned about bit bitly. And, yes. and like, even that, like his like seven characters yeah. and they'd still mess it up. And you're just like, <laughs> I just wish they would just click. And just then when Brightspace, I just put the link in there and it's boom. It's fantastic. It's great. I love it. <laughs> so you mentioned tools outside of Brightspace and of course, uh, digital learning. We like to hear all about the tools. <laughs> so what are some other tools that you're using? So one of the other things that I've been using recently is um, Nearpod. Um, one of my, one of my colleagues, I name one of my colleagues. Sure. One of my colleagues, um, Sean Cavanaugh, he's my next door neighbor in my classroom. He introduced me to Nearpod and it's awesome. It's it, I can take all of my um, my PowerPoint presentations that I always tried to make interactive, um, you know, by asking questions as we were um, as we were progressing through them. I would, you know, ask questions of everybody and try to get kids to think about why things are the way they are or how things are happening the way they are. But I, in class, it would always end up being, you know, one kid or two kids that really wanted to answer all the time. And then there's those few kids that don't want to talk in class at all, even if they know the answers. They're just Mm -hmm. shy or they're not confident. And so Nearpod allows me to embed questions into my presentations. So even if we're still going through the presentation as a group in class, I can put uh, open response questions. I can put checks for understanding, um, like multiple choice style. I can put, I can, uh, collaboration boards, which is kind of like Padlet. If you're familiar with Padlet, it's just, um, it's a board and kids can type in and put sticky notes up on Mm -hmm. the, on the board. So all the benefits of sticky notes without actually having to deal with any sticky notes. It's wonderful. So again, more or less paper. Yeah. It's awesome. So, (laughs) 
So Nearpod, um, is that something that you have to pay for? Because I don't know if our <laughs> listeners really know much about it. Um, so Nearpod has a free version. The free version, I want to say you get up to 50 megabytes of storage. You can have a class size of up to 30. Um, and, you know, there's certain limitations on it. But I started using it. I, I used the free version until this year. And then I ran out of space. <laughs> Honestly, it's $120 for the year. And I'll, I'll pitch it. It was awesome. Uh, it was definitely worth it. So and I think I got a deal uh, for the beginning of the year that I paid a little bit less because they were trying <laughs> to get new subscribers. <laughs> nice. You use Nearpod. You use Brightspace. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other tools that you use? Um, I do a lot with, not a lot, um, but I, I use Kahoot. Uh, for reviews. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I used to have this cool review game that I played. It did index cards and numbers written on the board and like random points amounts. And that was fun. But again, just like the class discussion, sometimes you'd get the same kids participating and then some kids would just sit back and kind of listen. With Kahoot, everybody's able to participate and it's it's kind of a free-for-all, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I remember really using, fun. with fifth graders, using Kahoot and it <laughs> It turned into everyone would start out in their seats with their laptops and they'd flip it open so it was just a touch screen. <laughs> yes. And then about the third question in, the people who are sitting in the back of the room are like, <laughs> if I sit closer, I'm going to get a, get the answer faster. That's awesome. So at one point, I think I had all 20 students sitting like either on the floor <laughs> or standing or sitting on a counter That's as close to the board as possible without being... Locked everybody's <laughs> <On> view, <laughs> but they really took to it. It was they enjoyed it a lot. Cahoots are a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So and it's fun to see. Like it reminds me a lot of for those listeners out there who know this. Um, you don't know Jack. Yes. Minus the fun. Jack. <laughs> minus the fun comments that you get afterwards. Oh, I just make the fun comments in class. It's great. <laughs> right. I love you don't know Jack. That's. I awesome. think there's an app for it. Now, I think too. there is too. It's, it's cool. So. So you use Kahoot. Um, um, have you ventured into any of the Office 365 tools? Yes. Um, we use we use Office 365 all the time. I actually found it before the district started rolling it out last year, and I started playing with it. Mm-hmm. But my students would get very frustrated because since the district hadn't rolled it out yet, it wasn't all finalized. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't actually know the procedures yet. But <laughs> it, it was cool. Um you know, it's it's neat to be able to tell the students that they can, you know, if they have a computer at home, but they don't have a word processor, if they're using OpenOffice or Google Docs, mm-hmm. um, you know, they can download the whole office suite for free because we're, you know, inst- we have the institutional account. And, you know, I try to get kids to download their um, the Outlook mail on their phone so that they can con- so they can uh, stay in contact with me and their teachers um, just from their phones, even if they don't have a computer at mm-hmm. home. I've had kids that don't have a computer computer but they have a tablet or they have a phone uh like a smartphone and they're they're able to download the software and then use that as a tool for their education instead of just a distraction from their education (laughs) which is awesome i don't know if you can tell from the microphone but i'm gonna draw a giant grin on my face (laughs) yeah well if you can't i'm gonna say yeah she's got a giant (laughs) grin on her face so with having students having access to Word and OneDrive and all of that on either their tablet or their phone, have you noticed an uptick in students working outside of school? Yes, definitely. Um, at least at least the students that, most of them, yes. There's, you know, there's still the kids that kind of drag their feet. I also, also always um, 
except work on paper. Mm-hmm. I I feel like that's still important. And there's some kids that just the technology is a hindrance to them. Either they're just not well enough uh, prepared for it, or they don't have the skills yet. And you know, I won't. I, I don't want it to be a hindrance for them. I want it to be helpful. So I still take work on paper and everything I assign. Um, that they can use Microsoft Office for or that they could do on Brightspace. They can also do on paper. But I do find a lot more kids that type their work. I find a lot more kids will send me drafts of things before they submit it. I find a lot more kids will ask me to go into something and make comments on it in their in their Microsoft Office. It's awesome. It's really cool. Just this week, in fact, we uh, in my ancient history class, we crowdsourced a document. We broke down Hammurabi's code into the actions and the results for each regulation. And then they had to make inferences about Babylonian culture based on, you know, based only on what they could get out of this document. And so, you know, I assigned each kid to a particular part of the document and they had to read it and they had to break it down. I uploaded a, uh, I uploaded a chart in a document it had three parts it had a vocabulary section and then it had um three columns where they could put the actions the results and then the inferences each kid was responsible for a certain portion of the document each portion was covered by four or five kids and so they were able to uh you know work together on this on this whole document now at the end of it all i went through i made comments on it i um you know asked more questions about things. Now they're writing an essay and they have this resource already instead of just having what they themselves were able to do or the only the original document. They've got the whole class's work that they're able to use as a resource for this essay. So they complained a lot about, <laughs> they said that the uh, editing the office document was laggy, but Working on it in class, most of the kids were into it, and mm-hmm. I think they all saw the benefit of the collaboration part of it, which was really neat. That is awesome. It sounds like an awesome project. <laughs> and the whole laggy thing, I'm sure you explained to them, like, it's going from your computer to the internet to everybody's computer. <laughs> yes, right. It's not an instantaneous thing. <laughs> it's not thing. instant. So be patient. And mm-hmm. I think the I think one of the biggest things with um, – teaching kids technology tools and teaching using technology tools is encouraging patience, which, hey, it's another mm-hmm. learning opportunity. <laughs> right. I think that's even true with adults. Too. Oh, yes. Like, most definitely. Patience. It does, it's not immediate. It's a virtue. It's good. <laughs> so one of the questions that seems to come up often late is there are some people out there that are like, oh, Office 365 replaces Brightspace. No. I can see you shaking your head. I was yeah. going to ask what your opinion was on that because <laughs> I know anytime I hear that, I'm like, no, they're different tools. They do different yeah, things. Yeah, they're for different. They're entirely different things. Um, Office 365, it's really, it's basically the same, the same different tools that were part of Office on the desktop, but now there's a collaboration piece to them. Microsoft Teams, I could see someone trying to use it in place of Brightspace if they didn't have access to a learning management system, but just having used it in the past week, I don't think it's as functional um, as Brightspace is. Like Brightspace is meant to be a management system where you can, where you have all these embedded features like Dropboxes and submission tools and uh, assessments and announcements. 
uh, Microsoft Teams might be good for collaboration, but it's not as user-friendly. It's not as um, customizable. Either. I agree with all of those points, <laughs> especially like with Teams, like you can't, like you can still, you have to use forms to give a test. You yes. have to use Class Notebook to do collaboration work. It gives you like a Facebook-like screen where like you could talk back and forth. And that's great, but it doesn't give you half of the function. Yeah, it's not as, it's definitely not as functional. So that's right now. Are there things that you've learned since the beginning of the year that you haven't tried yet that you're interested in trying? Hmm. I think I'm really just interested in exploring more of what I'm already doing. Like the new, um, Nearpod's always adding new functionality. They just, they just set it up so that you can have a collaboration board. You used to only be able to do it in a live lesson with students, Mm -hmm. but um, with the paid version of Nearpod, you also can give student-paced assignments. And so students log into it and they, um, you know, they can progress at their own pace. They answer the questions that are there. Mm -hmm. Up until recently, you couldn't have a collaboration board in a self-paced lesson which was kind of a bummer because I really like the collaboration piece. Um, That's one of the reasons that I've continued to do um, notes on an overhead instead of just giving kids an outline and having them read them and answer questions. It's because I really think they benefit from hearing what each other have to say. So with, with the, uh, with the uh, collaboration board, they're still able to go at, at their own pace, but they can still benefit from what, uh, what everybody's contributing. So for our final question, just because I don't want to take too much more of your time on this lovely Friday, we like to ask if you had the opportunity, especially that you've been in the district as long as you have now, to stand in front of all the new hires in the district and offer them advice, whether it is with technology or without, what would you say to them? Talk to your neighbors. Talk to your neighbors, collaborate, and be human to your students. Because if your students see you as a person, then they're going to be more willing to do what you want them to do. Whether that be, um, you know, an assignment or trying a technology tool, if they see that you are like they are and and treat them like you'd like to be treated, then, um, you know, that I think that goes really far. It's just like a matter of respect. Um, and if they feel that, that you respect them and that you consider them to be... Um, uh, someone worthy of your respect than to try the things that you It's awesome. Thank you for your time today. It's so exciting to me. I love my job and I love the things that I get to do, like interview teachers and talk, get them to talk about the things they're doing in their classroom because you can hear the excitement about what they are doing. With Caitlin, I could even see the excitement as she was talking. As you can tell, she's very expressive. And so it works well for me because I had a really good interview partner, but it works really well for me because I was excited to hear about what she was doing and the work that she's doing in the classroom. And it just sounds like a great place to be.
begin to wrap up today's show, I just want to remind you that there are a plethora of places you can go and listen to this podcast. If you are an iTunes user, you can go to iTunes and subscribe right to the podcast. And when every new podcast comes out on Tuesdays, it will be right there in your playlist. If you use Stitcher, the same thing. Spreaker is our host website. If you could, if you go on there and you use Spreaker, I implore you to give us a rating. Review us, let us know, because those reviews help us not only know that there are people listening, but also it helps us gain a little bit more notoriety and so that it's easier to find out more about what we are doing as a district and all the amazing things that teachers are doing. As I mentioned before, interviews are my favorite part of this podcast. If you are interested in being interviewed because of what you're doing in the classroom or these grand, grandiose ideas that you have about what you want to try in the classroom in the future, please email me at DLA support. I will love, I would love to come out and talk with you. Podcast interviews are really quite easy. It's just me, you, and a microphone. No pictures needed. You can also listen to us on Yammer. I know a few teachers out there who have Yammer on their phones, and when the new podcast comes out, they just hit play, and it starts. And they can play it from right there. We also have it on the announcements page of Brightspace along with on the WeLearn page on my SPS. There is a whole link set up for this week's podcast episode. Other places that you can listen to the podcast, Google Play, I believe I said Stitcher already, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Microsoft Stream. So go check that out. Give us a listen. Let us know what you think, especially today because I was doing all the talking by myself. And when I'm talking by myself, I have a tendency to ramble or come up with crazy thoughts and ideas. Please let me know what you think. You can leave us messages, especially Yammer is the best place because we have a podcast group going right there. But that's it for today. I'm your host, Mike Thomas, and I will see you next week.